on episode 68, we dive into how to save on tax filing costs, like the tax preparation itself. We go over, should you even use a professional tax preparer? What 1099s you need to bring to the tax table or the tax conversation? And lastly, the benefit of filing an extension. As always, if this episode helps you, brings you value, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. So if you're new, first of all, welcome. It's great to have you. Always trying to grow the show. Uh, we have two show formats here. The The first type is a solo, basically exactly like we're, uh, you're clicking on today and listening to, where we, it's just me and I can go really deep on specific areas of finance, tax, uh, wealth management, things that are specific to you guys, the entrepreneur looking to grow assets, the fitness entrepreneur looking to grow assets. The second episode type is where we bring on a guest and they could either be a colleague of yours. Um, they talking about the different things they've done with their fitness business to help it be more successful, challenges they've overcome, et cetera. And also different experts in the space that support your industry with business, sales, marketing, whatever it is. Um, but this obviously is, is a solo episode where we're going to go really deep on the, the area of tax today. And the main thing I wanted to bring up is this, this is tax season. As I'm recording this, it begins in two days, January 23rd, 2023. The IRS will start taking 2022 filings. So the first thing I want to talk about is what I've said on multiple episodes, the difference between tax planning and tax preparation slash filing. That's the type... The latter there, the tax preparation, tax filing, that's the season we're in now where tax professionals, accountants, enrolled agents, tax advisors, this is where we're putting the paperwork together to file to the IRS. So a lot of the planning is already done. That happened last year. Those need to be finished by 1231 of the given year because the profit and loss statement is essentially what is the taxes are based upon. So the planning stage is essentially done. Now we're in the record keeping, filing, letting the IRS know what we did last year, 2022. So I'm going to break down all the different ways that you should be organized when you sit down with your tax preparer, whether that's a CPA, an enrolled agent, whatever the case may be. I'm personally an enrolled agent. I partner with a lot of CPAs do the actual filing for us so that I can free up my time to work with you on the tax advisory work, the tax strategy. And then after we've built throughout the year, the entire tax plan to the tax saving strategies and all of that, we partner with some CPAs to allow them to actually do the paperwork for us 
it's like essentially you have your architect and then someone's actually helping build the house so that you can keep big picture. The other reason I like to do that with my firm is that allows people to come and work with us and they don't have to fire the people that they, they already, the professionals they already like. If it's a, a CPA that they've worked with for years, a lot of CPAs don't do the tax advisory work. They're not doing the planning, which is totally fine. They're experts in their craft, which is making sure they get you as compliant as possible with the IRS, with the paperwork and documenting properly all the strategies that you've done throughout the course of that past year. And in years past, like it's all a documentation process, which they're experts at. And that paperwork is changing each year. So that's one of the reasons that I try to stay in my lane of the strategy and putting the plans together and making sure we're doing with the right things with all our clients and then documenting it to the tax preparer who's going to go file it for the IRS. So we quarterback that process. Now, what I just described for business owners, that that process where there's a tax advisor, there's the, the person actually preparing the paperwork. And a lot of times it's two different people, but some just because a lot of CPAs, as an example, they're experts in the rear view mirror of looking back and recording history. And again, I in no way am uh, trying to belittle that because it's an incredibly important part of the tax filing process or the tax, the tax process in general, because there's the tax savings and there's, there's the tax paperwork. So that being said, not most of the accountants out there, they're probably not doing tax planning for you, the tax advisory work. They're probably, you're just sitting down with them in March or April, they're doing the paperwork, they tell you what you owe, and then you move on. And so just be aware of those distinctions. If you're hearing from them in like October, November, December, and you're meeting then and doing, they're asking about the business, the profits, then you're likely have someone who's doing both. That's the tax planning and then they're going to file for you five or six months later. If you're just hearing from them in like February, March, April timeframe, then you might have someone who's just doing the preparation. And again, I'm not knocking that. I just think that most people need both, whether that's the same person or not. Business owners need both. So that leads me into the first set of questions to think about as you get organized. And I don't, I didn't say this before, but I, I'm intended to. The purpose of this podcast and helping you get organized is because that their time is valuable. Accountants, this is this is unfortunately they're really like you. If anyone knows an accountant or your own, they, they have a very busy year, like two two times a year, and then there actually can be some lulls in their business, which is good or bad depending on which accountant you ask. But their time is valuable. They may not either. They may not charge. Let me collect my thought there. Either they're going to charge you to help you get organized because their time is precious during busy season, or they just won't help you at all because they don't have the, the bandwidth to help you get organized. Because that's the challenge a lot of business owners face. I mean, all taxpayers, but specifically business owners, they expect their accountant to let them know um, how much profit is taxable. And because you didn't come into them with an organized set of books, where they're essentially just looking at those organized books and pulling out the data. They have to create the data, then use it on the tax forms. So they either one won't have the time to help you with that, or two, they're going to charge you more for that organizational process. So that's what the main thing I want to go over today is 
Like people need the, these things, but some of it you can do yourself if you're trying to keep your costs down. Again, I'm a big advocate on having professionals help you. That's why a lot of my episodes talk about the value of bookkeeping and things like that. That's what they do. Come tax season, you're ready to go. Your books have been professionally prepared by an expert. And then the data that's in like QuickBooks Online, for example, you just give access to your CPA or your whoever your tax preparer is, give them access to that data and they pull out everything they need to know, ask you any questions, and you've just saved everybody hours because the work is done. So I want to really delineate those things where there's the, the organizational aspect that could save you a lot of money, or it just won't get done. Like I know some accounts, they just don't have time. So if you come in there and you're like, I have no clue, well, they're like, well, you have to let me know what it is and then I'll file the paperwork. Um, so that brings me to the first question that, that I get a decent amount is if they even need a, a tax prepare, like a CPA. Could you use like some of the big name places like the H&R Blocks and stuff like that? And I don't have specific recommendations for any of those. I would just saying if you're if you're not a business owner and you're listening to this, you may not need. Uh, you may be able to, to DIY this. Like if you're just getting a W two and your life is really simple, there's. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, if that's you, and you are, you just have a W two job. And your life is fairly simple from that. Maybe you're getting some 1099s from banks that you bank accounts you own, things like that. I don't see a, a big downside to using the online providers or some of the lower cost stores that you can go into and get it done by uh, professionals, but not the CPAs and stuff like that. I mean, you'll probably save uh, hundreds of dollars by doing it that way. Once you become a business owner, I, I think you're crazy to still cut corners in this side because for most people listening, especially when you're, especially when you're in the beginning phases of your fitness business, but this is applicable to any business owner. Typically you're doing a lot of the work yourself. So it's possible that whatever profit is coming in there is your biggest expense is likely taxes. So if you don't have a professional really giving you the ins and outs. I've, I firmly believe that most tax advisors and tax preparers pay for themselves because of the advice of looking at the business, assuming they're actually looking at the business. And some of them, you might walk in the door and just say, this was my P&L and they just file it. Again, that's cool too, but I would, be, I would say they're going to ask you a question or two that might save you more than you're paying them. So once you become a business owner, once you're getting that 1099 income, I highly recommend you go out and get a professional CPA or enrolled agent to, to file your taxes. So now we covered that, like the, the storefront versus the CPA. Let's get into how you organize your life for taxes. So collect all the W-2s that you have in your life. Like you may have none because you're completely self-employed. But if you have a part-time job or nine to five, and then you have your side business, just make sure you're going to get issued a W-2. If you have more than one employer, get all those W-2s, get organized. Now you're going to get a bunch of 1099s as well that are not related to your business. You know, So for example, like your bank accounts, if, if they paid out a little bit of interest last year, that's taxable income. So grab those 1099s. If you have an investment account, if you have like the, the acorns, like all those things, they're going to issue you a 1099. Just 
make a file. Like, I don't, I don't know. I prefer online personally. So like I drop them all in into my cloud files and then you can just give all of that to your accountant. So again, don't, the more you can save them time, your bill will either go down or you'll just get better service because things won't get, uh, fall through the cracks if they don't have the time to really hold your hand. So collect all those W those 1099s, put them somewhere. Okay. Now let's move to your business because you're going to also have to build your profit and loss statement. Now let's assume that you don't have a professional bookkeeper and you're doing all of this on your own. If that's the case, you have to build your profit and loss statement because in taxes, in taxes, I don't say Texas in taxes, you don't pay taxes on your revenue. You pay taxes on your profit. So if your business does a million dollars a year in revenue, but after you pay your team and your coaches and your mentor and all of the administrative expenses, marketing, all of that, if your bottom line profit was 300 grand, you only pay taxes on that 300. You don't pay taxes on the $700,000 worth of expenses that whittled away your revenue. So it's vital that you keep accurate records of what your income was and what your expenses are because the IRS doesn't care what your expenses are. They're not tracking that on, on their end. So they're looking at all the income because they're looking at, again, that's, that's why, um, I should say again, because I didn't bring it up before, but that's why everyone's freaking out about the IRS is starting to make all the, the payment processors, like the Venmos, the PayPal's, Zeller, Cash App, all of them trying to get them to comply with issuing more 1099s is because the IRS is doing everything they can to track your revenue. When someone gives you money, there's typically a digital trail somewhere from the person sending it. So that's what they're checking on their end. They're not tracking your expenses. So it's on you to prove that, hey, the IRS, you know, and I know that I made a million dollars last year of revenue, but here's all my expenses. And I've documented them, and that's why I only owe you on three hundred. But the but your accountant needs that number, the three hundred. If all they get is like all these ten ninety nines from Stripe and Venmo and Cash App, they're going to sit assume that you owe taxes on a million dollars. It's on you. Like this is your responsibility. If you don't have like the bookkeeping, so you want to go in there and you need to build that profit and loss statement for them, so they know what the taxable profit is. Now. That's, and that's probably as business owners, the biggest hurdle you're going to run into because I hear a lot that, I mean, that's very time, that's time consuming. I'll just put it that way. So your accountant may not have time to help you with it, or if they really are holding your hand on it, um, that's going to cost you a lot more. So go back through on my website, darbyba.com. I have a profit and loss statement that's free. You can get in the learning center on the, the third tab. And you just fill it out. You put all your income for each month in there. And then for the expenses, hopefully you're not using a lot of cash because for, I mean, I don't care what you do, but for this process, that'll make it harder. But because for your expenses, you can go back through and look at all the bank accounts for the last 12 months, go to your credit card online and look at all the statements from the last 12 months. And then you do, you can start going backwards and having a digital trail. And that's one of the reasons like personally, I don't like cash. Again, I don't care what people do, but for me personally, because if something slips through the cracks, I have a digital trail to go back and be like, oh, we missed this or we missed that. 
and it's there to to put back into the books. If I use cash, it could get forgotten. It doesn't automatically sync into my QuickBooks online for my bookkeeper to ask me a question about. I'm like, oh yeah, this is categorized like this or whatever the case may be. So cash is going to make this harder. If you do a lot of cash in your business, again, there's nothing wrong with it. But for this process, if you're going back 12 months and trying to go off a of memory, that's going to that's going to be a challenge. But if you can do it, awesome. If you have records somewhere of the cash you spent, awesome. But you need to get your accountant that profit and loss statement. Again, I have some people that come to me and I'm happy to help them. But I'm like, if you're trying to keep costs down, this is the function that you should really do on your own because hiring professionals to sit down and go back through the last 12 months of expenses is is probably not going to be worth it for for either of you. Okay. So that being said, you have to do the same thing regardless of the business. Like I'm obviously talking to the fitness entrepreneur industry, but that profit and loss statement, you have to do it for all your business. So if you have a rental property, if you have a an Airbnb, you need to do the exact same thing. You need to build a profit and loss statement for that property. You go through and see exactly the 1099 you got from Airbnb, as an example, all the expenses that you incurred with cleaning, taxes, whatever it is. And then you make your own profit and loss statement. And obviously, when it gets to real estate, you also have to let them know what you paid for it because there's depreciation and things like that. But that's on the accountant to do. You just need to make sure you have the documentation to show them, which for most people, that, that won't be a, an issue. But that's part of the organization. If you, if we, you have a rental property... You need to let them know the costs, like what'd you buy it for? What is the mortgage payment? How much of that is interest, <clears throat> property taxes, et cetera. So the theme is going to stay the same with all this organization is you have your, your business and that could be a real estate business, meaning a rental property, or it could be your, your fitness business. You need to let your accountant know so they can tell the IRS what's actually the taxable profit. Again, revenue is not your, what you pay tax on. It's what's your profit after all your expenses. So it's crit, and I can't emphasize enough. That's on you. The IRS doesn't track your expenses; they just track your top line revenue. And that's because one. And I've had someone ask me this before. Like that doesn't seem fair. And the reason is because as I'm recording this, it's today is January 21st of 2023. So 1099s are due in 10 days on January 31st. And that's basically all of us business owners saying, I paid this person X. So if you had a videographer that you paid $10,000 in 2022, and that doesn't mean one shot, like if you maybe a thousand here, a thousand there, and it came up to $10,000 for the year. As the business owner, I'm obligated to send them a 1099. And the reason is because I can't get a tax deduction unless I give them a 1099. But when I do that, that 1099 goes to two places. It goes to the videographer and another copy goes to the IRS. So that's why I'm saying the IRS is tracking your income because all of the people who want their own tax deduction are legally obligated to send the IRS notification of your income. So any affiliates that you worked for, if you made more than $600, they're sending you a 1099 because they can't deduct what they paid you unless they do this. So if you're not claiming that 1099, you're sending a red flag to the IRS because once they're trying to like reconcile things on their end. So they say, okay, Darby Business Advisors just 
took a $10,000 tax deduction and videographer LLC has $10,000 worth of income. And then if you're videographer LLC and you never claim that 1099, there's like an open loop in the system saying, well, uh, this company declared this as income or I'm sorry, received this as income and they didn't declare it. That's a red flag. Again, that's what their system, their system's not amazing, but that's one of the things it can do. So you want to make sure you are grabbing those 1099s and reporting them. Okay. The next thing you need to let your accountant know is what states you do business in. Like one, where you live, which obviously they're going to ask you and that's going to be a little bit easier. Did you move? That's going to be important because you may owe a, a tax return in more than one state if you move throughout the year, which a lot of people obviously have done from <laughs> leaving the high tax states and move, moving to like the Nevadas, the Texas, the Floridas, et cetera. Um, so let, but let them know also, even if you did not move, let them know the states that you're doing business for, as an example, like I have to pay taxes. I have to file. I live in Nevada in case anyone just listening. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, where there's no state tax. So you would think I don't have to file any state tax returns. Unfortunately, California is an extremely aggressive state and I have a decent amount of clients that live in California. So California makes me file a, a state tax return based on the portion of my revenue that comes from their residents. And so there's other states that have things like that. So that's why you have to have that conversation with, with your CPA or enrolled agent and say, I live here. Obviously, they're going to know where you live, but I do a lot of business in X, Y, and Z. Like It's just helpful to have that conversation because if you're not aware... This is what happens to professional athletes. They have to file taxes in every state that they um, that they play a game because the states are like, well, you earned like your your team might be like the Eagles and you live in Pennsylvania, but you flew to well, maybe flies not the term. Yeah, no, you can, but you flew to L.A. and you played there, so California wants their cut. So just let them know where you've done business or especially if there's like a decent amount in some of the high tax states. So just open up that dialogue. Now, the other areas that like you want, this is where we get into like the tax planning with some of the, the next ones coming up is, but it's on you to do the, the, the record keeping and give it to your CPA. So you're, you hear everyone talk about, oh, like deducting expensive cars and things like that. You, you can only deduct the percentage over 50% that is actual business usage. So you need to keep the mileage record because there's two ways to deduct the vehicle. There is the percentage that you spend or on the mileage that you use. So I'm not going to go into the details of which is better or worse, but the bottom line is both times you need to let the accountant know how many miles that you drove for business. They'll do the rest, but you got to bring that number. They'll ask all the right questions and all that, but you say, you have to go to them and say, last year, I drove 12,000 miles specifically for business. And then they'll obviously want to know, well, how many did you drive total? And so if you're like, well, I total, I drove 20, 24,000, they'd say, okay, that's 50%. So, well, you have to do more than 50%, but let's just pretend that it was 12,001 uh, for business then they can do all the rest of the math, but you have to bring them that initial number so they know where to go with. Home office, similar concept. You get to deduct a percentage of your home if you, 
you're a business owner, of course, based on the exclusive use of that existing place. So if you have a home office that is one bedroom that's exclusively used for your business, it's not like a, a guest room, it's just your office. And hypothetically, let's say it's 25% of the, the whole house. You got to bring them that percentage number. And then they're going to start asking you all the questions that again, you want to be organized with, like what were the costs? You know, then you start adding up the things that are related to it, like the Wi-Fi, the utilities, the property taxes, the mortgage interest, all of that goes onto a percentage that they're going to deduct. Now, again, you can probably, I don't know if they'll charge you or not, but you want to have that information ready for them. So their time is, is best spent just putting all this together, not trying to pull a bunch of information out of you or sitting down educating you on this because that may, that may run the bill up for you. So if you got the home office and you can have home, I'm not going to dive into the rules, but you can have a home office, even if you have a real, a quote unquote, a, a real office, um, you're allowed to do that. So don't let your accountant tell you you can't because that, that was proven in tax court that that's doable. So just food for thought and <laughs> reach out to me if your accountant saying not to do it because I got you. All right. Health insurance. Same thing. There's, there's a couple things you want to get clear on here. You want to figure out from a health insurance perspective, basically three things so that they, they can do their thing. Let find out what your monthly premiums were as a self-employed person. That's deductible. How much were your out-of-pocket costs? Like when you went to CVS or something and bought a prescription or went to the doctor and paid a hundred bucks, add all that up as well. And then also, if you have an HSA plan, what were your contributions? So let them know those, those basically three things. Again, if you have professional bookkeeping, it's likely already accounted for, but trying to be thorough here for people who may not be doing anything. Hopefully this podcast is, is a pretty good tutorial for you. Um, the next one is children. So in theory, they all are, are going to ask that question and no problem, but I did have someone say once they, their accountant didn't give them the credit for their second kid because it was an, it was a newborn child and it, it just didn't come up again. This is, this is one of the things that I think is cool about my business in that we help with wealth management. We help with fractional CFO work and all this tax advisory. We're in your life and we're meeting anywhere between seven and nine times a year. So we know your entire life for, for better or worse. We know your entire life. So things like, Oh, I had a new kid. Don't slip through the cracks when we're doing your taxes, because we're obviously doing a lot of other financial planning, but just make sure if you've had a new kid, it may not be on your tax return from the year before. So if you have a brand new accountant, they may not know to ask that. So there, I mean, you should have your other tax return to give them because that's a great blueprint for your existing or for your new tax repairer. Like they can see some of the things that you may not remember to, to bring up. But if you had a brand new kid, it won't be on your previous tax return. So make sure you bring that up. Similar to kids, education expenses. Let them know if you have any, because they're going to start to do the math, whether that that's a, a credit for you. Next is charitable donations. If you did any, how much were they? So go again, go back and start adding it up. There, That's going to be more value to the accountant. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, 
the last piece here is retirement contributions. Let go back through like, what did you do? Like whether it's through your self-employed 401k, whatever it is, let them know what your retirement plan contributions either were already, like if you did a 401k last year, or if you already contributed to a, an IRA or a Roth IRA, whatever it is, let them know because the you may also be doing something in the future. Like if you're sitting down with them in March and you are working with a financial advisor and they're like, oh, in April, put 6,000 into your IRA or your Roth IRA, or you're doing a backdoor and you're converting it. Your accountant needs to know that because they have to document it properly. Again, it's totally a legit, legit strategy, but it needs to be documented if you're doing that backdoor Roth where you're moving it from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA and it needs to be documented. Same thing with if you're like, well, I'm going to later this year, I'm going to do a SEP IRA because it gives me more time. That's cool. But your accountant needs to, to know that because they have to document it properly, especially because a SEP IRA you have until October, depending on if you are a sole proprietor or one member LLC or September, if you're a, uh, an S corp, you have until September or October to make your SEP IRA contributions for 2022. So if you're sitting down with your accountant before then, and but you plan to do it later so you can maximize your contributions then or give yourself more time to, to make the contributions, I should say, you just have to make sure they're aware of that because then they're going to document all these things. And that's going to save you if the IRS comes and audits you and those things are not in your documented tax filings. So this was a shorter episode today. But I really hope this is valuable because as we are in the middle of tax season, well, I guess it's not the middle yet, but as we begin tax season, all the professionals that you may have questions for that are going to sit down and prepare your taxes are going to have a lot less availability to help you. So the more you can do on your end to start organizing everything and planning for that process, the better it'll serve you. And, and I'll also leave you with this. If you file an extension, that's not a bad thing. Your audit rates go down if you file an extension. And that's basically because it's first come, first serve in the audit process as well. So your audit rate goes down if you file an extension. So if your plan to file an extension, don't feel guilty about that. You could actually be happy. But what I would recommend is get everything done. Make the extension just a paperwork thing, meaning you sit down with your accountant, you find out all the information that they need from you, you get it to them, they they let you know exactly what you owe because that payment, like let's say they do all the math and they say after all your quarterly estimates, you still owe 23,000. Cool. You get that $23,000 together and in April that's due. Even if you don't click the button to file the paperwork, that 23,000 is due. So you get all that organized, you pay the IRS on time, then you can just hit the pause button on actually clicking the file button. The other advantage to that is in terms of the filing, uh, filing extension, sorry, is that if you are going to your accountant a little bit late in the game and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm not, I'm not very organized right now. And your accountant's like, doesn't have the time to help you hitting that pause button and then saying, okay, well, I can sit down with you in June, like April, March and April, I'm swamped. I have to do 400 tax returns. I don't have time, but I can sit down with you in June and we can go over all this 
then that's that's a good strategy for a lot of people because you you don't want to get into the situation where now you you did something rushed or maybe you got bad advice because they didn't have time to help you so you'd sort of wing it or whatever the case may be and you make a mistake because amending a tax return is not a you can amend a tax return no problem but sometimes you don't want to and i'll give you a, an example if you the irs for the most part has three years to go back and do an audit on you it can be more it could be six if you if they can prove that you've lied about your income like over 25 percent, that can extend you to six and if, it, if you had outright fraud there's actually there's no statute of limitations they come after you decades later if it's outright fraud or outright tax evasion things like that but if you're the normal person just living in the gray area maybe pushing the envelope here and there if you filed already and let's say a year goes by and you show somebody your tax return and they're like this you did this wrong and if you did it right you could have gotten you you probably get a refund for like five thousand dollars you'd be like oh yeah let's do the let's amend the return and and get that five thousand dollars back they're like but you deducted this 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 and this that really aren't tax deductions like you you really can't do that so now you're you're sitting there having a dilemma you're like well if i amend my tax return I start the, the three-year clock all over again for the IRS because it's based on the last time you amended. So if you're already a year in and your accountant's like, well, this is going to get you a refund, but this was kind of, you've really pushed the envelope on doing this deduction. So maybe we let sleeping dogs lie and we just let it go and call it a day. And that happens a lot because you'll have people like that hey, it's, or it's just a nominal amount of money. Like if you're going to get a thousand dollars back, you're like, yeah, but your accountant's going to charge you a thousand to go undo all the paperwork and refile. So you're like, well, I right, forget it. Like I, it's a net neutral to you or, or very little in terms of gains. But those are, that's why when you hear about amending a return, it's not a guarantee that it makes sense for you. Like you can do it, but it doesn't always make sense, especially if you've done something aggressive in in that tax year that you're thinking about amending, because most tax professionals would probably look at that and say, you might be getting away with one here. So let's just leave it alone and not, not try to get greedy, but that's totally up to you. That's always an individualized situation, but that's why if you're listening to this, you're like, I didn't do anything. I'm behind the eight ball and the, the tax team that I want to work with, they're too busy to get me in before the April deadline. It's not the end of the world. You will, if you do that strategy, it talks about hypothetically where you meet with them in June and you didn't pay anything. I mean, just be prepared. You will owe penalties and interest because you're paying the money after April, but that may still be better than rushing to get it in and making mistakes or missing things like missing valuable deductions because maybe you just... You didn't sit down and give your accountant like your home office or, or your your mileage for your vehicle. And so those are completely missed. So I don't want people to get as an anxious about the, the penalties and interest if they have a plan in place, meaning, yes, you're going to pay penalties and interest, which are no fun. But if your plan is to get everything organized in June instead of April, you're still going to meet the, the October. But I mean, you're still late, but... I would recommend you're, you're late from a payment perspective. Sorry, you, you, in that scenario, you are still, let me say this, this is something I didn't bring up, but I, I 
that I just thought before we sign off here. There are two different types of requirements and two different from the IRS and two different types of penalties. The first one is filing and the second one is paying. And the IRS com- considers them separate, meaning if you don't file on time, there is a penalty, but you can alleviate that by filing an extension. That's what everyone says when they're like, oh, I'm on extension. That is not an automatic thing. You have to file for the extension. And then that penalty goes away. And now you have till October. I shouldn't say it goes away. October, you get hit with it again. And then the other one is paying. So you cannot extend paying. On April 15th of each year, that's when you have to file and pay. You can extend on the file. You cannot extend on the pay. So if you sit down with your accountant in March or April and just like, you got a lot to do here and you're disorganized, let's sit down and do things right in June. He or she will file the, well, they should file the extension. So that penalty will not be an issue for you because you properly file the extension. The payment may become penalties and interest, but like that was what I was describing before. That may be a strategic advantage or I say strategic lesser of two evils because you're going to get your shit together and in June, you're going to do it right. And that way you're going to do all the, the uh, go through all the processes of making sure you pay as little tax as you have to that year legally. But so I don't want you to be super freaked out about the idea of missing the payment portion because you, you don't want to rush it and miss a bunch of things because amending it's not a foregone conclusion. So all right, guys, I hope you have an awesome week. I hope this is valuable. As always, um, please share with a friend if this was. And if you have questions, my Instagram is at the Pat Darby. Um, I love this nerdy stuff. And as I'm recording this, I don't have that many followers. So it's a lot easier for me to DM with you, respond to your questions, whatever it is. Um, it'll be a good problem to have when I can't keep up with all the questions coming in. But for the time being, uh, reach out to me because, or give me a follow at the Pet Darby, um, same on TikTok. But seriously, I, I love these nerdy conversations. So if you have questions, uh, I, not too many hit my spam filter. So I'm happy to help you out. All right, guys, have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.